This is Chris David, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus podcast. Hello, welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast. I'm J-Mac, your host for this one. It just got interesting. We did it. We won a must-win game, and we now have doubled our wins in a week. Not the sexiest of performances, but with some old-school Parker tactics and luck finally swinging our way, we look on course to cause Great Escape 2.0. With me to discuss this game, which in another universe we probably would have drawn, are sports journalists Sonia Twig and Matt Beauclair. Let's go. Fulham. Right, guys, we did it. It wasn't pretty or salivating for a neutral, but opening thoughts from you on this win. I mean, seven points in three games. Are you believing, Frenchie? I know there's a long road ahead, but we have licence to enjoy these present moments of hope, don't we? I think seven points from the last three games was something that I certainly wasn't expecting. Uh, And I I don't think many other people were expecting it either to get the, the win at Everton and then the point at Burnley. I think we possibly almost arrogantly maybe expected three points against Sheffield United, even though that was never going to be a, an easy game. But when you piece those those points together, it's a fantastic week, isn't it? I mean, this time last week, um, we're recording this on, on Sunday night. So when people are listening to this, it, this won't be quite so um, relevant. But this time last week, we have 15 points. And now we've added almost half that onto our total in three games in, in just a week. So it's a fantastic week for us. I just can't believe we've got four wins in, in the space. You've got two extra wins in a week. It's mad. Um, mm-hmm. Sonia, you were at the game. What was the atmosphere like? Was it quite tense? I mean, I noticed that the, the, the scream that happened when Lookman scored from all our players was wonderful. But I mean, just what, what was it like for you being there? And I just also like to know your thoughts on uh, Scott Parker at the end of the game with this six pointer. So the start at the start of the game, I was actually quite, it was probably the loudest game I've been to without fans. Um, both dugouts seemed really up for it. There was quite a lot of noise from the various sort of club members who are sat in the stands. It it seemed, and it started quite tense. And I thought you could really see how much the game meant to both teams, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And then, obviously, at the end, you saw, I know it was on the TV as well, sort of Parker's release of emotion. Um, yeah. And I think that just shows, you know, how how important that game was, not only in gain the three points but just showing that it you know the Everton game wasn't just a one-off like so many people might have thought especially after another nil-nil at Burnley that actually Fulham are starting to get a bit of momentum going forward here yeah yeah I I, I, it was it all seems like oh come on Fred do you feel like you want to say something there mate well no I I was just going to say you you asked me if I'm believing and I, I guess I am at the moment, but I'm kind of looking at the bigger picture and I'm thinking we've now got 22 points and how many points are we going to need to stay up this season? And just for some context, the the last 10 years, the only time you were, that 40 points were needed to stay up was in the 2010-2011 season. The last four seasons, 35 points has been enough, would have kept you up. Um mm-hmm. 15, 16, you would have needed 38. 14, 15, you would have needed 36. Season before that, um, the season that we went down, actually, you would have needed 34. And then 37 the previous two. So the numbers are almost in our favour here. We're on 22 points. If 35 points was to keep us up this season, 
that's only another 13 points. That's four wins and a draw out of out of 13 games. And even if it was 37, 15 points, that's five wins. It's not beyond the realms, is it, that we could get no. another five wins? Although, I don't think right, so. Don't, we've, only, we've only got four wins so far this season, but we are picking up. We're looking yeah. better. We're, I think I saw somebody posted earlier that um, since November, we've got the second best goal, uh, second best goals conceded ratio. You know, we're, we're doing really well defensively. We're very difficult to score against. So that's half the battle. But of course, the other half of the battle is scoring. And we only need one a game if we're not conceding any. Well, it also seems to me like the belief is also very much within the players and in the camp at the moment. There seems to be a real belief there. I mean, you see a photo from um, Joachim Anderson's uh, Instagram of all of them together, and there seems like to be a real sort of unitedness there. I mean, it, I mean, happy campers, happy captain, that's wonderful. We mustn't get ahead of ourselves. I mean, while we're recording, we're still waiting on a result between Manchester United and Newcastle tonight. Um, you know, so if Manchester United hopefully beat Newcastle this evening, then technically all we've got to do is match Newcastle's results until the final game of the season and beat them. <laughs> I mean, that's easier said than done. And like I said, yeah. I know we mustn't get ahead of ourselves. Now, let's just quickly talk about the first half. I mean, it was quite a frustrating one. We seemed as though it wasn't just it wasn't just a case of not converting, but we weren't creating chances either. Is there anything you could put that down to, Sonia, being there? I mean, I noticed in your updates we looked perhaps a bit too narrow. Yeah, it's, it did seem to be that the only way they were looking to try and break down Sheffield United was going straight through the middle, where there seemed to be about five or six Sheffield United players gathered. I don't know whether that was the fact that Tete didn't start and his crosses are quite important, mm. um, but there the did seem to be a reluctance to really go down the wing and put the crosses in, which also left Madger quite isolated. And I didn't think he got too many opportunities um, with the ball yeah. going into the box but having said that Sheffield United did just put men behind the ball which you know it's difficult for any side to break down they did I did think that they came into the game with a mindset of a draw will be okay which given their league situation seems a bit bizarre to me but they didn't really look to push forward which then meant there wasn't any space behind them so it was mm. frustrating and it did seem a bit like you know oh this is Fulham again you know playing well mm. but there's no goals to show for it but yeah I, I did think that Sheffield United defending was actually quite good in that first half. Yeah it seemed almost a bit like a return to Parker ball that we all know and love I say love you know but it, it was very sort of uh, sideways way sideways uh, sideways passing very very what's the word I'm looking for very patient in the build-up um, not going to the wingers quite in, like cutting in quite a lot. Frenchie I mean do you put it down to just did Sheffield make us play bluntly due to Chris Wilder's tactics, or was there something lacking for you? Did they were they just taking a leaf out of Burnley's book when they saw us play them? Do you think? I don't think we were that bad in the first half, to be honest. Yeah, we we did play a lot through the middle, but we had some chances, and it was nice to see players having a go from from distance. Angisa had one which she skewed wide. Um, Lookman hit one straight at uh, Aaron Aaron Ramsdale, and then Loftus Cheek had one as well, mm. and. We don't have to pass teams to death and score every single goal that we score from from this flowing move. You know, I'd take one that was hit from 25 yards that took a massive deflection and wrong-footed the keeper or something. You, you've got to speculate to accumulate in those situations. So I was happy with it. And I felt we were so dominant throughout the game, actually, that it would have been an injustice if we hadn't have got the breakthrough. And 
And of course, we did in the end. And, you know, we were knocking on the door in the first half. Um, I guess, I, I, I think Josh Madger is one of those players, from what I've seen so far, who thrives on chances in the six-yard box. Mitrovic is slightly different because he can create his own chances within the penalty area. But Madger looks to pick up the pieces. And mm. if I'm honest, from what I've seen so far, doesn't really contribute a lot else. But you don't need him to. If he's going to be there in the six-yard box when there's a loose ball and he sticks it in the back of the net every time, he's a bit of a Gary Lineker in that sense. Lineker was very much a six-yard box player. And you don't need a player to contribute. But the point is that if you're not creating chances in that area, then it's almost pointless having him on the pitch. So that's something we need to work on. But I I did feel like uh, we, we played quite well as a team against Sheffield United. And obviously, the most important thing was the result, which we got. Yeah. What were your thoughts on Harrison Reed this game, Sonia? He's, I mean, still busting the midfield. And like, as Freddie just alluded to there, we very much control, complete control, even though we weren't quite uh, on the winning end of things in the first half. Just give me your quick thoughts on Harrison Reed and how he played. I thought he, he played really well. I think he's really sort of come into his own. Um, yeah. I thought at the start of the season, he didn't really seem that clear of his role and where he was playing. But I think... In the last few games, he's been so important and he just makes those challenges that breaks down the opposition attacks and regains the ball. You know, you can see the the opposition getting visibly frustrated when every time they try and make a move and he's there and he cuts it out, you know. Yes. He started to develop the crossing and the longer passing side of his game, but I, I just think, you know, in mopping up and being in front of that defence, he's so important. All the attacks sort of start with him anyway. And I thought, yeah, I thought the his counterpart next to him, Mangisa, had a much better game uh, today. Uh, not today, you know, over the weekend in the four-two-three-one formation. Uh, let's go to the second half. Uh, we, we've spoken about the first half and what was lacking and the narrowness and all that sort of thing. But it was the sixty-one minute. I just want to talk about Lookman's goal, Sonia, and, and just what was it like being there? Because like I said, when when the goal went in, I just heard all this lovely screaming from everyone. You could tell that like the pressure was finally off and I thought Anderson's assist was absolutely like ice it was wonderful and I don't even think that's been counted as an assist on the team sheet which is annoying but what a pass from him I'd just like to know your thoughts on the goal leading up to it it felt like it was coming wasn't it it did and it was an absolutely lovely pass from Anderson he'd done it a few times the game in the game actually sort of tried his luck from from the defense and I thought He's growing in confidence as well. He seems to really be relishing his leadership role and the captaincy. But it was nice to see, you know, them sort of skip the midfield rather than having to do five or ten passes before it gets to the forwards. Just go, actually, there's an opportunity here to get the ball up there and create something. Um, Mm. I thought Lookman took it well. I thought he got a little bit lucky on the deflection back off the Sheffield United defender. But it was a good finish and it's something that, you know, has been the problem all year is that that final ball how many times has the ball gone just that bit over the post or occasionally hit the post so it's nice to yeah. see some luck finally go Fulham's way well that's a huge thing isn't it what are your thoughts on that Frenchie? I mean, we could all talk about the penalty non-decision later on that was quite lucky because I think in another game we uh, like in the first half of the season that uh, that decision gets goes against us but it just seems that when our luck starts changing obviously things start going better and it just that that gives us hope as well that somehow something's now swinging back for us. And just your thoughts on the Lookman goal, man. I think if you're a Sheffield United fan and you're you're recording a Sheffield United podcast, then you're blaming Ethan Ampadu for terrible defending. 
But I watched, I listened to a podcast a long time ago, actually, with Ian Holloway on. And Ian Holloway said, as a manager, when you concede a goal, there's at least two or three mistakes in the build-up to every goal you concede that you could you could put a ring around. Um, so, you know, and, and every goal we concede this season, we'd look at and we'd blame somebody. We're always looking for blame. And there was blame for that goal. But the way that Lutman took the goal was instinctive. You know, it's come back to him and he's put his foot through it. It was a great finish and the keeper didn't have time to get down to it. It was it was so close to him, and but, but so hit so um, so hard that, you know, he, he didn't have a chance. So really good mm. goal. Good good to see Lutman contributing because I, I didn't think in the first half particularly he was he was that effective. But maybe that was because, as we said earlier, the, the play was going straight through the middle. And I kind of suggested this when we were chatting on WhatsApp yesterday and Matt Dom was like, no, come on, Lutman's had a great game so far. And I didn't really think that he had. Second half more so, he was better in the second half. But all it takes is that one moment for somebody to contribute to a game and and, yeah. and he did that. So fair play to him. Yeah, I, I've got to say, I thought, I thought Lutman had looked a little bit wayward in the past few games ever so slightly and I thought maybe we should should have rested in this game. Shows you what little I know. I mean, but I just want to go on. I thought Ola Aina had an underrated game. I mean, was an underrated player in this match. I thought he was actually very good back to front of the pitch. Um, had a lovely effort in the 71st minute, which forces Ramsdale to tip the ball over the crossbar. But I've got to go back to you, sir, because it seems a noticeable improvement yet again was Ruben Loftus-Cheek this game. And it feels like only yesterday, uh, all four of us were discussing it. And I was sort of giving him a bit... Been quite harsh on him, and you were there to defend him. And he, he was a lot more assured centrally this game, wasn't he? I mean, that chance in the 53rd minute, that would, that would have been an absolute blinder of a goal, wouldn't it? And that's something he really needs at the moment. It is something he needs, but I, I do think him being employed slightly further forward is playing much more to his strengths. I think he likes playing just behind Madger rather than sort of in the centre of midfield. Um, he's, you know, we all know he's, he's a strong player, he, he can run with the ball. And I do think he's sort of finding his role a bit. You know, Parker's been saying all season that he's young and he was out for a long time and it would just take him a while. And I have to say, a few weeks ago, I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm still not really sure about him. But I do sure. think we might be starting to see the impact he can have. Um, I'm not entirely sure where that leaves him if Parker chooses to play Mitrovic and Madja because he'll be forced further back. But... Having said that, I thought he had a really good game. Um, and it was nice to see him, you know, get on the ball because there has been games where you sort of have to remind yourself that, oh, well, he is there. We just haven't really seen him do much. I th- yeah, for me, I've, I've thought that Loftus-Cheek has been OK this season. But I think I've said previously on the show as well, he's he's not necessarily the player that we thought we were going to be getting. He wasn't, he wasn't ready-made for... Um, for coming into a team like ours. You know, he, he was going to take a while to get his fitness back up. But he is a quality player. And if he if he ends up being a squad player when Mitrovic comes back and Mitrovic and Madger play up front, then so be it. I mean, I don't care about doing Chelsea any favours. And quite frankly, Loftus-Cheek, he's not going to be making the Euros for England this summer because he's not been in, in and around the England squad for, for a long time. And, and he's he's not played well enough this season um, to, to justify it. So I don't care about any of that stuff. All I care about is who's the best 11 to put out for Fulham in these next 13 games, 13 cup finals. I know it's a cliche, but it is. We've got 13 cup finals coming up. Um, 
and who's the best team to put out and and if he's if he's playing well enough then he's in the side and if he's not then then who cares to be quite quite honest with you yeah and so we started closing up a bit while maintaining a high line to effectively stop Sheffield getting anything out of their own half so you've got the substitutions you know Parker's sort of showing up shop a bit now we've got the goal in the 78th minute you've got Cavalera coming off for Tete and we I just want to quickly I know we've done this to death your thoughts on what Cavalera was like Sonia on the right hand side because it was nice to see him in his preferred position for this one and as you know Frenchie was alluding to there you know we need to pick our best team do you think there's a place for Cavalero as a starter instead of Bobby Reed in this game I thought he was okay I mean a few I don't know just give me your thoughts well this is um probably not the answer I'm not going to pick one or the other but I think there's actually a place for both of them I think with the amount of games that are coming and the number of double game weeks I think it's really nice to have options and mm. You saw how much Cavalero ran yesterday. I'm sure if there was a game on Tuesday or something, it might be nice for Parker to have that option of, you know, did he recover all right? Can we play Bobby Reed instead? So I think I think there is a place for both of them. I thought it, he did look a lot more comfortable than when he's been employed through the centre and he sort of looks a bit lost and like he's not entirely sure where he's supposed to be some of the time. Um, so it, it was nice to see him and, you know, he's a strong player and he did cause some problems. But I just think those final crosses didn't come in from that side. And that's probably what was lacking from that. Yeah, there a lot of cutting in and one went straight over the bar in the 32nd minute, I think. And you just, uh, what, what were your thoughts on Cavalera, Frenchy? Would you start him for the next game or would you get Bobby back in? Next game away at Palace? Oh, I don't know. Um, I, I think there's pros and cons to both. Um, I thought Cavalera was fine against uh, Sheffield United. Uh, apart from that that chance he had in the first half where he, he maybe could have picked out Madger instead of putting the ball into the back of Rosehead of, uh, of the Putney end. Right. Um, but on the right, I haven't got so much of a problem with him anymore. Um, I, th- I think he looks okay. And he was all right on the left last season as well when he used to cut in and ping those balls into the top corner. But it's just as a centre forward. And if we somehow manage to pull this out of the bag and stay up this season then it would be a miracle considering how long we had him up front on his own. Yeah, quite. And then after that, you've got the 86th minute, you've got Lamina coming on for Josh Madger, which we spoke about. You talk about your thoughts on Josh Madger. I mean, Lamina was fine. I mean, it just tightened things up a little bit more. I, I want to talk about one of arguably the man of the man of, man of the season, and it's Alphonse Ariola. I mean, he made a fantastic save for us in what feels like the 128th time this season. Um, it was probably Sheffield's most dangerous chance for open play. 65th minute, uh, McBurney links it with Sharp, who threw balls it to Stevens, and Alvando makes this killer block. And uh, I saw our very own uh, Dylan Chavas from Fulham Focus got a lot of love for his tweet. He said, um, I have never had a girlfriend, but Alphonse Ariola is the closest yet, which I think we can all agree with, to, could go with to some degree. But um, yeah, Alphonse Ariola for this game was just... I'm trying to think. I mean, the only other dangerous chance for Sheffield, which includes Ariola, was the penalty shout. And this has been a, you know, a very controversial moment. But was it, though? Because, I mean, Graham Sooner seems to think it was a penalty. I'd just like to know your thoughts on it, because that's not a penalty to me. Is it to you, Sonia? I'm not sure. I've I've seen it back. I've seen them given. I, I've seen them not given. I think... It was telling how quick VAR were to dismiss it. They didn't seem to think there was a huge amount in it. Um, I think he was very lucky that the shot hit his, like, the leg he wasn't leading the challenge with. Yeah. But, you know, 
you, you see them happen all the time. Um, and I, I just don't know. For me, it was 50-50 and it could have gone either way. And But that's that little bit of luck that you need when you're exactly. fighting for survival. Well, oh, firstly on Graham Souness. Graham Souness. <laughs> I'm Graham sorry for you, Dennis. <laughs> I can't stand that bloke. He, he thought that Blackburn were the best team in the division uh, when we got promoted to the Premier League the first time around, even though we, we were so far ahead of them. Um, he, he thought that Fulham were, um, were in a false position when we were top of the league. And then we went up there and we beat his Blackburn side with 10 men for most of the game. So he talks a load of bollocks every time he opens his mouth. What he's doing on TV, I have no idea. So get him off the TV to start with. But secondly, <laughs> for me, Ariola's won the ball. He's won the ball with, what was it, his left foot, which was the, the, the foot that was closest to the ground. And it's, it's a coming together, isn't it? It ha- all happens so quickly. And his um, and his trailing leg does catch the player, but he's won the ball first and foremost. So yeah. how is it a penalty? I just don't understand how it could possibly be a penalty. It's not. Well, it's not for me. No, I, I don't, it's not for me either. But as I was saying, is that sort of decision? I can imagine that. Beca- I can imagine that being a penalty with the luck we had in the first half of the season. I can just imagine that happening, and it's very lucky that we didn't. Um, it would have been awful. I can't imagine. Can you imagine if that? It just would have been the worst. But. I, also, seven minutes. Where, where, where did seven minutes come from, Frenchy? I mean, that is ridiculous. I, I mean, that I, I don't really usually believe in conspiracy theories at all. But like that, for, for a, quite a quick second, and I was thinking, is someone trying to actually, you know, get full and relegated? It like, where did seven minutes come from? It's the most ridiculous number I've ever seen. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I was sat here having a couple of drinks, and the game flew by. <laughs> but I don't remember in the second half there being. <laughs> Any uh, any injuries? There oh, there were a few substitutions, but yeah, it, you know that that happens. Oh, maybe, maybe there was a there was a bit of a delay for um for the guy who got injured in that faux penalty incident, wasn't there? Um, but oh yeah, but how long was that? I mean that that certainly wasn't four or five minutes. So God knows, but you know that did they have any big chances in that time? I, I didn't really feel like we were under any threat. You know, Ariola did what he had to do to keep the ball out whenever they got anywhere near our goal. But I, I didn't really feel like we were under threat at any point. No, oh, all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, is there anything you'd like to add to this, Sonia, really quickly? Not the seven minutes were lucky, but for instance, who was your man of the match for this game? Um, who would you say was, I mean, your standout player? Because I'm I'm mulling over between a, quite a few. We've got Ariola, we've got Anderson, we've got Harrison Reed. Who, who, was, who was really starring for you in this one? Um, I think for me, it's between Luckman and Anderson. Mm-hmm. so the two that made the goal really but um I thought Anderson again just shows how important he is in you know commanding the entire team and he seems to have really grown into that role and I'm not sure how much you're aware of this but every you know every free kick and everything he's organizing the defense he's screaming at them to get back in position when they move you know even just two yards yeah. out of it he really seems to have that whole tactical knowledge that you need from a centre back when they're trying to organise the line, really. Um, yeah. And you know, Lookman, he just took the, he took the finish really well. It's his fourth goal of the season. He does see. Hopefully, he'll grow into that role and it'll give him some confidence, especially given after his uh, horrendous Penenka attempt that I think really dented his confidence. <laughs> It'd be good to see him gain some back. Yeah, for sure. Actually, before I move on to you really quickly. Back to you, Sonia. What was Chris Wilder like in the press conference afterwards? I mean, it would, he went a bit weird, didn't he? 
What was your experience there? Um, he had some thoughts. It's probably oh, the, <laughs> the the nice way of putting it. He um sort of basically seemed to accept that they wouldn't be there. He said, you know, the Premier League won't have to put up with us for much longer, and seemed okay. very right. seemed sort of almost suggesting that Bogler um, under Ariola's challenge could have been sent to hospital and. It it was an odd press conference, definitely. But um, yeah, it, it, I mean, I think it's just showing the pressure at the bottom of the Premier League for him, really. And it was a game yeah. that not only they had to win, but they had to win to have any chance of staying up at all. So I, I do understand the emotion. Um, but yeah, the, it was definitely a strong worded press conference is how I'd, I'd describe that one. Yeah, fantastic. Um, uh, Freddie, just really quick, what's your man of the match, mate, before we uh, go on to Parker ratings ever so quickly? Um, well, I thought Ola Aina had a really good first half. I thought the way he was going past his man from right back was was excellent, but I guess it didn't really create a great deal. So I'd, I'd probably probably just go for Harrison Reed again, just because he's so consistent. I didn't think there were that many standout performances, if I'm honest with you, but it was just an all-round good team performance. So I'll go Harrison Reed again. And incidentally, yeah, just 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 as we're recording this, Manchester United have just taken the lead against Newcastle. Ah, excellent. Okay, good. Who scored out of it, Jess, just for the sake of my fantasy team? Uh, Rashford. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. No, never mind. But still, it's good news. Good news. Um, yeah. Did Fernandez get <laughs> the assist by any chance? Because he's my captain. Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please, please do it, United. We're all United fans tonight. Anyway, um, so going to Scott Parker then. I mean. I think for me, I'm going to probably give him. I've, I've, I can't. Actually, I'm going to ask someone else because it's too. It's too much pressure. I only think of it while I ask you, French. <laughs> what, what would you give Parker Ray? Like, what would what would you give um, Scott Parker for this? Must win game eight. We've won it. We won the game. We didn't really look under any threat, and you know, you, you factor in the the rest of the week as well. He's had a, a magnificent week. Seven points out of those three games is is superb. And probably more if we if we just said on the podcast before the Everton game how many points you expect from the next three games or how many would you be happy with, I think I probably would have said four. I would have said right. a winner losing a draw from those three games. So to get seven out of those those three games, I think is outstanding. And and even his game management towards the end when he started shutting up shop, you know, it's classic Parker, but it, it does the trick, doesn't it? So yeah, eight out of ten for me. I think I'm going to be watching though at the end. Sorry, yeah. say that again. It makes for some nervy watching at the end it when does. your club shuts up shop and starts pushing yeah. deeper and deeper. It does, it does. But we're kind of used to that with, with Scott Parker these days, or, or we always have been. So it's fine. In a match like that where it's must win, I'm, I'm fine with that. It's, it's a good result. I love his passion every time we score. He just it's 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 wonderful to see, and uh, I do love Scott. I mean, it's been very it's been a very rocky road with me and him because I you know you know like I swing back and forth whether I want him to actually still stay as manager for us but his heart's in the right place and I'm just so happy that we're we're getting these wins now I, I, would you agree that I mean I'm probably going to go for about a nine nine and a half for the Scott Parker ring what for you Sonia I think probably eight eight and a half I thought game management was good you know Sheffield United they, they have beaten Man U away this year it's yeah not that's true. as easy as they might look on paper it's, it's been a weird season where I, I genuinely think anyone can beat anyone on the day um and I think 
the way they set up and the way they sort of wore Sheffield United down, it did seem that they sort of controlled the game, but also looked a lot more like scoring than they have in recent matches. So I'll go eight and a half. Eight and a half. All right, nice one. And look, all there's left to do, really, Frenchy, you're going to be doing a sort of Crystal Palace preview. Not sort of, you are doing one. But we'll just briefly have a look at Crystal Palace in the sense of what we think can happen here. Let's say that Newcastle lose tonight and we're only three points away from Newcastle when we come to face Crystal. I mean, what I'm essentially asking is, can we beat them? Sorry, you've got some interesting information about this, actually, because we don't know yet if Zaha's going to be with Palace, but it's looking likely that he's not. Yeah, um, I think, I don't know, Roy Hodgson doesn't really give dates on players' recovery. I think if he doesn't play, Palace have lost 18 of their last 20 without him. So I think there's definitely a chance to exploit them. They've had a host of injury problems, so they're far from full strength. Um, Mm. And, you know, could pick up another couple on Monday. We'll have to see. But I, I think if Zaha doesn't play, there's a real opportunity. However... If he does, I'm just hoping it's not a repeat of the one earlier on in the season. Oh, God. Sorry, I've just seen Frenchie smack his hand against the desk. It's, gone. it's one all now, is it? Yeah, Who scored well, the equaliser? I don't know. Somebody. Some, Some, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't recognise oh, him. I don't care. He's, <laughs> he's on his knees really milking it, though. Whoever he is, tosser. <laughs> Look, well, there's still time. Going back to what Sonny was saying there without Zaha, that's that's a that's a good stat to know. I mean, Frenchie, do you think we can beat them? I just, I'd love to beat Crystal Palace. I mean, since we, I mean, I just we haven't beat them in so long, and I just sort of want to sort of not. I don't want to get Roy sacked because we love Roy Hodgson, but there is just something about it that I just want to. I, I just want to make him cry a little bit, and I don't know why. Which is what? What are your <laughs> thoughts on Crystal Palace? Can we do? I, it? <laughs> I think, um, in in terms of Roy Hodgson, I mean these. He's kind of in the twilight of his his years, anyway, isn't he? I don't know how long he'll uh, he'll be a manager of Crystal Palace for, regardless of you know whether whether he turns it around there or not. Up at the end of the year, is it? It'll, that'll probably be that. Then I expect for Roy, um, yeah. they'll, they'll look to move on, and they, their team needs rebuilding anyway. Um, can, of course, we can beat them. Um, you know, we've we've got them one at Everton for goodness sake. It's um, exactly. You know, we, we, we're we're picking up results on the road. We're I think we're unbeaten in six on our travels, but a win would put us on twenty five points, which would leave us four points behind Crystal Palace, which would really drag them into it. So it's a big game for them as well. Huge, um, yeah, because they've got Brighton tomorrow. I ought to, I believe as well um, on Monday night. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So, well, right. yeah. I mean, is it okay? Well, maybe if they if they win that, then then that kind of information goes completely out the window. But if if they don't, then you know it's it's it could really it could really cause them some problems. So um yeah, I, I, I think we can do it. I think we can beat them. Um is a point a good enough result in this one? I think it probably is if we can start to pick yeah. up results results at home. We've got some winnable home games between now and the end of the season. And as I say, I think out of those 13 games we need to target five wins. So it's all is not lost if we don't beat Crystal Palace, but I think we can. And with that in mind, Frenchie, and you know our fight for survival, have you got? I think you've got some stats about sort of the amount of points we could need. We'll need to actually get out of this mess. What, what, what's your? Give me well, your not, numbers. Not not so much points that are needed to get out of it, but I was just having a little look earlier today at how many points we've got in previous seasons and how many mm-hmm. wins. So. In 13-14, when we went down, we went down with nine wins, but 32 points. So 
we didn't have that many draws. That that would be five five draws and and those nine wins. Um, then in eighteen nineteen we won just seven games and ended up on twenty six points. Win percentage of eighteen percent, but our win percentage so far this season is actually sixteen percent. But obviously we've got a lot more draws. Right. It, um, then in um, in two thousand and six two thousand and seven we only had eight wins. But we ended up with 39 points in 2007, 2008. Again, we had eight wins and 36 points. So we were quite reliant on draws those seasons as well. So yeah. if we could kind of get up to that level um, and had, you know, those four or five wins on top of what we've already got, then I think I think that would be enough. And then you just look, you look at the, the other seasons we've had, 2003, 2004, we won 14 games and ended up on 53 points. So, you know, they're... Kind of pipe dreams, those those kind of um, those kind of returns these days. But mm. I, I really I really think five wins would do it for us from from this point. That would that would put us on thirty seven points, and I think that would leave us more than comfortable. I think instead of looking at five wins, it's probably better to look at how many points Fulham need from the remaining matches because I, I would back them to get draws in games that necessarily on paper look a lot more difficult than maybe win five games when we've only won four all season. So I think that might be another way to look at it is defensively, they look really Mm. good compared to the other ones around them. The goal difference is much better than some of the other clubs. I think that's probably the foundation to look from and then hope for maybe four wins and some draws might be enough as well. I think it oh. also it really depends on the other clubs, but I unfortunately I just see the the final day of the season being a showdown cup final at Newcastle. I can see that as well. What are your thoughts on that, Frenchie? I think it's going to go to the wire. I mean, I think we're probably going to match Newcastle with our results from here, and it's going to be all on that game. It's it, it seems written in the stars, doesn't it? On that day, that is just going but to be decided. It, then is it definitely going to be Newcastle? Is it just well, between us and Newcastle? Well, as you say, if for instance, if if New, uh, not New, if Crystal Palace lose against Brighton at, at Brighton, and then they suddenly lose against us, they're only four points away. But they they start getting dragged in it. It could actually be, it might not even be Newcastle. It could be a completely different team. I mean, I know Southampton have found some form now. They are, I think they lost five, six in a row. They just got their draw now against Chelsea. But I mean, it could be other teams. It could be. I, I can't. It's just hard to imagine because it's been. Bizarre. Go I on. mean, so these are our remaining fixtures. We're just really quickly. So we got yeah, Spurs go at home, Spurs at home, Liverpool away, Man City at home, uh, Leeds at home, Villa away, Wolves at home, Arsenal away, Chelsea away, Burnley at home, Southampton away, uh, Manchester United away, Newcastle at home. So there are thirteen games, um, and then obviously Crystal Palace, which is the next one as well away. How many of those games do you see us losing? It's a it's it's a difficult Liverpool, one. Man yeah. City, Chelsea, and Man U probably. Do you think so Liverpool have lost their last four games at home, including uh, Burnley and Brighton? They're on Gosh. a torrid run at, at home. Not that I'm suggesting ha- for a second that we're going to go up there and beat them, but well, you know, well, Jordan Henderson's now injured as well. Is he? Yeah. They're, they're not yeah. in great form. Mm. Mm. I mean, we've we've drawn so many. I mean, how have we? We've got the the second most draws of any team in the Premier League at the moment. So I feel like we could draw with anyone. So I feel that's that. There is, there is definitely I'd hope say there. Manchester City is probably uh, yeah. a dream. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. There. The Manchester City one we can put a line through, but I don't know. I think all the other ones there's potentially points in them. Man United away maybe if they're 
still in with any kind of chance of getting the title with a game to go. But don't yes. know. I feel like I feel like there's points in all of those games. The way we're playing at the moment, and traditionally as well, Fulham in the second half of the season in the Premier League have a better time than than in the first half. We pick we do pick up a lot more points in the second half of the season. Yeah, it so, seems in, it seems to be in Fulham's DNA that really always like to yeah. like start slow and have a better end. That's really strange. But usually with a change uh, of manager in between. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Hope, but not this season, hopefully. Not this I mean, season. it seems to. I think this might be paying off slightly. I've got to say, I find the whole thing quite interesting as well. I, I feel that we. I've got this feeling that somehow Mitrovic is going to come good for us in these last remaining games. I don't know why. Not that he's been awful, but I feel that I somehow why. he's. I know why. It's because he's quality. That's why. He's brilliant. He's a great player. Just because he's yeah. had a crap season, he's been in and out the side. He's been struggling with injury. He's been struggling with form. He's been struggling with people giving him the ball in the right areas, but he's he's a quality player. He's one of our best players. That's why he's going to come good for us. Yeah, I think I think he has have a big part to play in these final this final hurdle, as it were. But look, let's leave it there, guys. It's it's lovely to see you, Sonia. Thank you very much for joining us, Frenchie. Thank you very much, and we will be back with a nice preview for Crystal Palace, and we will see what happens. Come, oh, I think it's on Saturday, isn't it? Saturday. No, Sunday. 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 Lunch. All right. Roast and Palace. Nice one. All right. Thank you very much for listening. We appreciate your support. See you soon. Fulham.